Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 51. So that happened. Recorded on November 21st, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always, with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, it's been a while since we talked. Almost literally a month at this point. How are you doing? Uh, I could use a little more time before I could say I'm doing okay. But uh, I'm doing better than I was the, the, the last night there was baseball. Yeah, I don't, we don't need any kind of transition here. We're just going to talk about that. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I don't know if it was a plan, but we kind of just tossed on the idea of maybe after game seven or maybe after it ended, we'll just have a podcast at night and let just the emotions talk. But like, no, I didn't want to. I just wanted to crawl up in a ball <laughs> after I wrote the post. I was like, OK, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to write the post that night. I don't know. I wasn't. The Internet was a thing the last time the Indians were in the World Series, but it wasn't nearly the thing it is now. And uh, I'm. It's probably for the best they didn't have access to real internet interaction with people at the end of 97. When you were a, what was it, like 16 or 17-year-old angsty, yes. angry teenager? I was 17. <laughs> I was I was a good age for, for really losing it over things and uh, and lashing out in anger. So, What do you think you would have said if you had Twitter? Like, what could I go back and search at this point? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've mentioned this story before. I was... I was 17, and I literally, after the game ended, went in the bathroom, climbed into the shower, sat on the shower with the shower running, and just cried. Uh, so I don't know what I would have said. I would have sobbed, I guess. <laughs> and uh, on the one hand, I didn't cry this time. Uh, on the other hand, I'd like to say I, I've you know, grown to an age where I understand sports have their place, but they're not that important. And I sort of have. Uh, but I didn't really take this game seven any easier than I took that game seven. I didn't cry, but uh, I collapsed in a heap on the floor when Ben Zobris gave the Cubs the lead in the top of the 10th and then just kind of watched the rest of the game from the floor. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I was only like seven with the 97 series, so maybe I don't know the full impact of it, but that was kind of, was there more hope going into game seven <laughs> than like suddenly the Indians lost? Because I remember... Well, I remember because it was like a month ago, but I didn't, it's kind of bad to say now, but going into game seven, I wasn't all that hopeful anyway, because after game six, that was the big crushing gut punch, I think. And the, I almost cried when Rajai Davis hit that home run of happiness, because that was such a great moment and how bad I felt the last few days. And then like all the bad of game seven, it didn't come suddenly. So there was no sudden emotions. It was all just kind of, all right, I'm dead inside. Let's watch baseball and see what happens. <laughs> I did not feel confident at all. 
watching Game Seven. No, I didn't. I didn't feel confident when they were up three to one. I just never feel confident with the Indians. And I really, you know, you said, was there more confidence in '97? I honestly, I don't know. Uh, I grew up without and knowing any other Indians fans. Uh, you know, the internet didn't exist as a way to interact with Indians fans in 1997. So I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything. I mean, I, for me, it was just whatever I thought. And I was still a kid. And at that point, I probably was pretty optimistic. But that was probably literally the last time I was felt good about the outcome of a game for the Indians going into it. And then Game 7 sort of killed that for me. Um, you know, this time you could read whatever you want online. And, uh, you know, you could other people could feed into whatever you were feeling for better or for worse. Um, yeah, I certainly wasn't confident going into Game 7. But, man, Game 5 which on paper was the worst game for them, then turned out to be close. And then oh God, and they just kept fighting back in game seven. I mean, I have so much admiration for the team. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I think everyone does. Uh, man, it, for me, losing like that hurts so much more than just like if they had lost in five games and, you know, lost game five, like six to two or something like that. I would have been making my peace with it as it was happening. Uh, and losing in Game 7 when they keep coming back and keep coming back, there's just no way to make your peace with anything as it was happening. So you just, the full blow of the defeat, you know, hit you at once. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly how I feel. Um, that stupid rain delay, I mean, I'm not going to yeah. make excuses, yeah. but apparently Chicago players were crying in the, the locker room. They were just so low at that point, and then they had a little team meeting thing, and that might have helped. I don't know if that's just made up or whatever, but... If well, that happened, just, I, I mean, hate the rain. Like, just that, you know, Shaw was probably going to run out of gas anyway, but, like, his routine was thrown off. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's easy after the fact to say every little thing hurt the Indians. But it felt so different after that rain delay. Yeah. No, I agree. It's so much I, hope right before that. Yeah. When the rain hit, I was like, there's no way this favors the Indians. Um, yeah. And, again, when the game's that close – Every little thing becomes a what if, you know, I mean, the, the, the run the, the Cubs scored early on where Chris Bryant tagged up on a fly ball that was not deep. And, you know, just every little thing makes a difference. And yeah, like I said, if they had lost six to two in game five and that had been it, I would have pretty quickly moved on from thinking about the World Series. So, yeah, I still would have been bummed they lost, but it would have been much easier just to kind of let go of the World Series itself. And instead, I'm just, you know, well... It, 19 years from now, I know I'll still be playing it over in my head if they haven't won one by then. Yeah, it's so much worse drawing it out to seven games, I think. I imagine if you didn't like either team, that was probably an amazing series. Well, and, and for amazing me, that, game seven. that makes everything worse, is that yeah, like in the aftermath from anyone who's not an Indians fan, whether you're a Cubs fan or you were impartial, all of the talk is, what an incredible series this was. Like This is why we love baseball. And it's like... No, this was the worst. Like, <laughs> people are going to talk about this World Series forever because it was such an interesting series and it was the Cubs winning for the first time in forever. Like, this is never not going to be a major part of baseball and we're going to be forced to relive it over and over and over again. Like, no one really cares about oh, yeah. the Marlins having won in 1997. So it doesn't get that much play except for when it's appropriate for the Marlins or to stick it to Cleveland people. Uh, this, The Cubs beating the Indians, we're going to be hearing about it forever. Yeah, because it's part of their whole breaking the curse thing. And we talked about this the last podcast a month ago, but the fact that everybody's rooting for the Cubs because their drought was longer by like 40 years, but that's 60 years compared to 100 years. Who cares? I mean, I talked to 
because I have an Indians coat. So people saw me and they said, oh, it was a great series, but I was rooting for the Cubs just because it's been so long. Like, screw you. It's been long for the Indians, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're not 80 years old, it's been equally long for both as far as you're concerned. And the Cubs are probably going to win another one in the next 11 and a half months to three years. So (laughs) we're going to have... There would have been another chance for them to get there. That, I mean, the Indians. We can. T- we'll, we'll talk future Indians. I know in a little bit. Certainly, the Indians aren't like this. wasn't a one and done team, but it's really hard to win three games in the World Series. Teams don't get that opportunity. Great teams don't get that opportunity that often. Uh, so it's stung. And then being in Chicago made it. Oh yeah, I bet. Worse, you know, I I had to try to fall asleep at night to the sound of fireworks getting shot off and people yelling and hollering in the streets. Uh, I had to go into work to listening to Go Cubs Go being played over the intercom at school. I had to have like eight year olds coming up to me and (laughs) taunting (laughs) me about it. Basically, (laughs) I can't can't snap at him. It's not like the dude in the cubicle next to you where you can kind of like tell him off if you need to. Uh, I'm going to lose my job if I tell them off. So I, it, this was not the place to be for it. <laughs> Did you have to like smile and say, ah, oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, and just like, die a little uh, bit inside. Uh, uh, that's great. <laughs> You're going to get an F now. <laughs> <laughs> and Sorry, I lost your paper. In the students at my school's defense, some of them were very empathetic and, uh, it was a great game and the Indians played really well and sorry, you know, there, there were some good ones too, but of course you quickly forget the good ones and just focus on the people who are making it worse. <laughs> I think I would rather have, obviously not the people who are just being malicious about it, but I'd rather have people jokingly trolling about it than the sympathetic ones. I think because like, that's one thing I like well, yeah. about sports is joking back and forth with people. It, it, well, and it, yeah, and, and like all of the, the the sympathetic ones are well intended, but they do just get sort of they just get it. But it was such a great series. You have to admit it was such a great series. It's like, yeah, and I don't, I, I don't care. That that really does not matter to me at all right now. Yeah, I, I don't I, think it will in the future either. There's nothing noble to me about being on the losing end of something great. Like as a player, I don't know if there would be or not. As a fan. I find no nobility in the Indians having lost in excruciating fashion just because it was close. Yeah. So I was going to, I don't know if I might still do this as a post, but I'll ask you first. So like, if you say you have a genie, they can grant you a wish. Like you, the Indians will go to the world series next year. You can guarantee it, but you know, they will lose, but then you can start at the beginning of the season and not know they're going to lose then. Does that make any sense? Like you make a deal where you know, they're going to lose, but you can enjoy the whole season without knowing it till the very end. Would you take that or no? Uh, I don't think I would. I, I Going into this year, I would have, because this season was fantastic, you know, to enjoy as a fan during the season. Uh, I don't want the World Series ending poorly to, you know, push out how fun the regular season was and just how much fun the Boston and Toronto series were and the yeah. beginning of the World Series. I mean, Andrew Miller, what he was doing – and, you know, Lindor being a stud on the national stage and Kluber being great. And, you know, for me, Santana got a couple big hits and, you know, a lot of guys had a lot of big hits. Yeah, I mean, that's better than almost, you know, any season you're going to get. Um, going into next year, though, having just had this season, this fresh off losing the World Series, I'd rather just roll the dice. And even though the chances of them winning the World Series are small, uh, I would just roll the dice. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think rolling the dice, the Indians 
should still win the division. So like accepting that deal to me in terms of like the most likely outcome is they make the postseason and, you know, they lose in either the ALDS or ALCS. Um, so getting them to the World Series but losing gives me one or two postseason series victories for sure. Um, but I don't think it really changes the regular season. I'm willing to roll the dice and figure I'm going to get the same outcome for 162 games with or without that deal. So, no, going into next year, I would pass up that deal. Yeah, I would too. I think that's that's one reason there's a post. I think a lot of people would have the same answer. Well, maybe I if I made that. Let's, what I want to like, I want to make clear. I'm not saying the season's a failure if you don't win the World Series. So this isn't to me about like no any offer that doesn't include winning the World Series, <laughs> the season was a waste. It's not that. That's exactly so, what you said, Jason. I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the Indians can win the division without any magic genies. And at that point, I'll take the you know one in eight chance or whatever of winning the World Series um because that's that's what i want at this point that's that's what's left (laughs) so any other world series things before we move on to the future and never talking about this world series again (laughs) um no i mean just to recap the the indians were awesome this year uh and you and i were pretty optimistic and, and and up on them going into the season and throughout the season and um not that they ever had a long losing streak or anything like that um but I think both of us can feel good that we were right about them uh, to the extent that feeling right matters. And most of the team is back. You know, we'll, we'll talk about some of the guys they might lose and who might replace those guys. But the core of the team is going to be back. Um, and the Boston series and the Toronto series were so much fun. Uh, and those few weeks of Indian baseball really are the reason you get into following a team is to get attached enough to be as excited as we were uh, when things are going the way they were for, for, you know, the first three weeks of the postseason. So it was a blast. Yeah, definitely. And running the Twitter account was a ton of fun talking to people and even losing was fun sort of on Twitter, but that's made baseball a lot more fun for me, I think. Is just yeah. Well, people... and so like speaking about Twitter, I never, not even up three to one, was I like, the Indians are going to win, the Indians are going to win. People are like, we must be so excited, the Indians are about to win. I was like, I don't know, we'll we'll see, we'll see. Uh, But I did let myself plan out exactly what I was going to tweet if they won. uh, (laughs) By way of announcement, and I can't announce it the same way. Uh, It's not quite as exciting to announce, but it is pretty exciting for me to know that in March... Uh, my first child will be born into a world in which the Cleveland Indians are American League champions. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I already knew, but congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> That's really great. And it's, uh, you know, things like that have a way of putting other things in some sort of perspective. So uh, I've known since July 1st. So I had the whole second half of the season and throughout the postseason to know that. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I didn't know it was that well. Being able to say into a world where the Indians are World Series champions would have been a little cooler, but American League <laughs> champions is still pretty dang good. So I'm trying to think. Um, she's going to be born in a world probably where the Browns haven't won a game <laughs> <laughs> in over a year. So that'll be a thing. But yeah, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. I, I, a World Series will be so much better. Are you going to get her? Or you don't know him or her yet, do you? I don't even know. We don't know. It's somehow in my imagination, it's a girl. But I have no, we don't know, and we're not going to find out. Well, we decided. Oh, you're going to be one of those. We're going to be one of those. We're, you know, we're not going like, to paint, paint the nursery pink or anything. So we're not yeah. going to do anything differently. We figure either way, it'll be a great surprise. There aren't a lot of great surprises in life. So right now, these days, we'd both be happy to get one. So we're just going to see what happens. We'll find out 
March 5th, give or take a week or two. Cool. Also, it could be right around, that's the opening date, it's spring training, the beginning. Yes, it'll be during spring training. So uh, I'm sure I'll be sitting up a few weeks later watching a lot of West Coast baseball when I've got to <laughs> sit up with the baby at night. Oh, yeah. Are you going to tell you about the Maddox? So it, it doesn't interfere with important baseball, at least. <laughs> so are you going to make her first word Maddox? Are you going to try really hard like to make her first? Maybe your first sentence is that my dad invented the Maddox. I think you should. <laughs> That'll be more than Major League Baseball can say. So that would be something. <laughs> so um, we didn't have this in our outline, but you mentioned it talking about the World Series. I think it's something to talk about is that the AL Central is going to be really bad. <laughs> Probably. Uh, either the White Sox. They're probably trying to rebuild, or they're going to go in with a whole bunch of garbage on their roster. The White the Tigers. Sox, if the White what? Sox don't decide to rebuild, the White Sox should just fold <laughs> up the tent because they need to rebuild. Well, the problem is they're trying to, but they're not making any deals from what I've heard. Like, if they go into the season with everything, somebody should be fired. Yeah. And I realize you know, if you're going to trade someone like Chris Sale, like, that's a massive move. But uh, you have to get some deal for him. Yeah, you have to they, do it now. This has really been the White Sox, not just for the last couple of years. This has been the White Sox in my lifetime. They've had very few terrible seasons. The Indians have had more really bad seasons than the White Sox. But they've also had very few really good seasons. You know, they won the World Series in 2005. So that's obviously a fantastic season. But I think they've made the postseason like three other times in the last, you know, 30 years or something. Like they've got the World Series victory and they've got like, three other total postseason game victories in like three decades. So they're pretty, they've been pretty content to be like, okay. in hopes that, okay, would grow into great. They need to do what the Cubs did across town. I know they don't have the same revenue, but they need to just kind of strip it down and, and try to build back up. They're not going anywhere in the next couple of years. And they don't have the resources to make big enough additions. And this isn't the off season to build your team from okay into great. Like there's just not enough out there this off season. Yeah, which is why it's good to be one of the teams selling right now if they would actually do it, which right. I hope they do. Well, I don't know. I, I guess I hope they do. I also hope they don't, just so they're stuck with everything for another year, just to watch that collapse. I wouldn't I would, bleh, I wouldn't mind not facing Sale anymore. That'd be great. Maybe they'll just cut up all his uniforms and we'll never know. But yeah, anyway. there's always, like, I'd rather they do nothing just because I don't worry about them and the Indians <laughs> be better than them. I'd love to not face Sale. If I'm going to face Sale, I'd rather it be him pitching for the White Sox and him pitching for the Tigers or the Red Sox or the Yankees or yeah. someone like that. So Just go far away to the NL and just hide somewhere <laughs> in like Washington or something. <laughs> but the Tigers, they're also probably rebuilding. Maybe, sort of. I mean, they have the money. They could just buy whatever now. But like you said, there's not a whole lot to buy. So they're probably at least going to be mediocre next year. And the Royals, I guess we could say they're transitioning. I don't know. Are they fully rebuilding? I feel like the Royals, with with their contract status, I feel like they think 2017 is sort of a last hurrah. I think they'll try to make a go of it. I don't think they have the resources to add much in the roster they have right now. I don't think is especially good. Um, I think they're too close to winning the World Series. I don't mean in the future. I mean two years ago to accept the idea that maybe they should move on a year early rather than a year late. I think they'll make a go for it, but I think the Indians will be the better team, even with the Royals going for it. Yeah, and the really. Tigers are so interesting because Miguel Cabrera could still bring a lot back right now, but every, every year, every half a year you wait, he gets less and less valuable to the point where like two years from now, he's potentially not a trade chip. He's an albatross. Like if you're going to trade him, 
now is the time. Justin Verlander, same thing. The big season he just has, his contract doesn't look – you can, like, convince yourself his contract's not terrifying. But, man, if he falls off, his contract's a massive thing of dead weight. Like, so the Tigers are in a really interesting position. Like, they could totally justify making one more push in. But the smart play is probably – well, you could possibly move these huge contracts for things of value is probably what they should do. I sort of think they will do, which is bad for the future for the Indians. <laughs> but I think this year, anyway, it's just kind of wide open because the Tigers aren't going to do it. Yeah, and I, like, it's bad for the future for the Indians. I think the other thing to keep in mind about the Tigers is, like, at some point, maybe now, maybe not now, but at some point with Illich's situation, his age, the Tigers aren't going to be, like, a financial spending powerhouse that they have been. They'll still have higher revenues and therefore probably higher payrolls than the Indians, but they're not going to be outspending the Indians by like $75, $80 million a year much longer. So I'd sort of be content for them just to give up in the next two or three years because that's a great window for the Indians. And by the time that window ends, the Tigers and Indians might be on pretty level footing in terms of like spending. Do you think they'll really drop off that far without Mike Illich? I think they'll drop. I mean, not no, not all the way back, but I think they'll drop off pretty far. Yeah, I, I mean, my understanding is they've been operating at a loss for the last like five years, and I don't think whoever is in charge after him is likely to do that. Um, you know, I don't. I, yeah, I think they'll be outspending the Indians, but if the Indians can stay good, hopefully they get an attendance boost, and hopefully, you know, they start to spend a little bit more. And yeah, I could see them being like 20 million behind Detroit annually instead of like 70 million. <laughs> yeah. And then the last team in the division, the twins, the <laughs> twins. <laughs> I think they do have kind of the look of a team that's going to be pretty good in like five years, but they yeah, got a bunch of young yeah. executives that are, that seem to be smart. One of them is an ex Indians. I already forgot his name, but he's a new, new president, new general manager, one of the two, but he came from the Indians. They don't even have much farm talent. They have Byron Buxton and Brian Dozier. Got Miguel Sano. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but there's not a whole lot there to build on, I don't think. I don't think they have a ton of prospects either, do they? Yeah, I mean, they were a team of the future like four years ago, largely on Buxton and, and Sano's merits as prospects. And I don't, I wouldn't write either of them off. They're still both really young and talented. Um, but they haven't developed the way they were sort of expected to. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'll, I'll worry about the Twins when they provide some... <laughs> when they do anything to worth being afraid of. Yeah, in the meantime, I'm going to push them out of my be afraid of pile. <laughs> so the Indians, so far in the uh, offseason, it's been pretty quiet. been pretty quiet for everybody, I guess. But the only thing they've done is they claimed uh, Tim Cooney, relief pitcher. Well, starting pitcher, probably going to be a relief left-handed pitcher for the Indians. Uh, claimed him off the Cardinals. He missed all of 2016 with a shoulder injury. Missed most of 2015 with an ap- appendectomy. Um, before this season, I noticed on our... Uh, Cardinal sister site, Viva Los Burdos. They had him as like the number four overall prospect uh, as a pitcher, but then he missed the whole year because of his shoulder, obviously. And watching Danny Salazar this year, we know how bad shoulder, elbow, those kind of things can be. So I don't know. There's nothing. There's literally no downside to just claiming a guy. So do you like this move that they did? Yeah. Like you said, there's no downside to it. Um, you know, they could use another, they could use a good or passable non Andrew Miller lefty because Andrew Miller is not going to throw two innings a game during the regular season. Um, I don't think. So, 
Yeah, I mean, getting another lefty, I think, is nice. Uh, like you said, going into last season, he was not like a super highly regarded prospect, but a pretty highly regarded one. Yeah, quite a few Cardinals fans were upset to see oh, just for nothing. Yeah. Too. So that's going to count for something, I think. Yeah, exactly. I think when the when the fan base who's losing a player is bummed about it, that's not necessarily meaningful, but it's more meaningful than just like not knowing anything about him. So yeah, I'll take it. You know, it's a good, nice minor move. The Indians have done really well with minor moves that didn't seem like that big a deal. So given that they're not going to sign Cespedes, they're not going to trade for Chris Sale. Uh, I don't think <laughs> we can talk more about that <laughs> later, I guess. But yeah, I mean, minor moves are still mostly what they're going to be making. They have a good track record with them. So yeah, I feel good about it. Yeah, there's almost nothing to hate there. I hope they do the same thing as they did last year, where it's just grab as many pitches as you can and just throw them in spring training and see what sticks. So that's how they got Dan Otero, basically. He's just one of many pitchers they acquired. I think he was a trade, but they they traded, they claimed, they signed a bunch of cheap relievers. You can find one or two in there that are going to be passable for a whole season, I think. And then they do have Dan Otero for another year or two. So. Um, but speaking of their their small, sort of small moves from last offseason was Roger Davis and Mike Napoli. Both of them were signed under $8 million, I'm pretty sure. I already forgot what Napoli's was. Rajai Davis's was like Napoli was seven. I don't know. I can't remember if Napoli had any like playing time things that bumped his up, but I know his base was seven. Was it? okay, yeah. So it's pretty low. Both of them were, um, but they're both going to be gone now. Obviously, I've heard at least the Astros and Mariners are interested in Napoli, but I haven't heard anything about Davis. Um, obviously, the Indians didn't give either of them a qualifying offer because they would have taken it in a heartbeat. I assume <laughs> before the deadline to even grab it would have came up. Uh, do you see the Indians bringing back either one of those guys, and should they for any reason? Uh, yeah, I mean, at the right price, I'd be interested in either of them. I feel like Napoli is going to be worth more money to someone than I think he ought to get. So on that level, I don't think they should bring him back. I think he'll be overpaid next year. Um, you know, the home runs he hit are going to stand out. And I, you know, not that GMs aren't smarter than just looking at home runs, but we always talk about how smart front offices are. And every year there's deals that people don't think we're good. So yes, front offices are smart. But, you know, they're also under pressure from ownership in some cases, and smart doesn't mean perfect, and yada, yada. Uh, so I would not bring Napoli back. Uh, it was a fun one year. We enjoyed the parties. Uh, good luck with the rest of your career. Davis, ought to be cheaper. For me, the outfield is like the question mark for the Indians. I mean, the starting rotation should be very good. You know, Carrasco and Salazar will hopefully be healthy and everyone else, hopefully the bullpen should be really good. Um, but the outfield is just like, for me, oh, it's like nothing but question marks. Michael Brantley, who knows what we're going to get. Um, Tyler Naquin was terrible for the last two months of the season, but he was really good before that. Who knows if he'll adjust or not? You know, Lonnie Chisenhall's up and down. Dave, like if they bring Davis back, it's not that he's a sure thing either. Um, but almost like you're talking about with pitchers, like they need to get as many intriguing outfielder options in the mix as possible in hopes that three or four of them work out reasonably well. Because they're not all going to work out. Yeah, it's funny how the outfield situation right now looks exactly like it did last season with different names. <laughs> yeah. Like last year, I think Abraham Amate was basically Naquin at this point. We weren't sure it was going to be. He looked pretty bad for a while. And then Brantley, we still didn't know if he was healthy. <laughs> right field, it was Chisenhall and whoever. Although I do feel better with Chisenhall and Geyer platooning in right field. I think that's really good. Just because yeah, I really no, like I, Geyer. I, again, Geyer was a great, seemingly minor pickup. And I feel good about him in that particular role. But that's So that's now we're looking at like 40% of one outfield spot that I feel fairly comfortable with. <laughs> and um, 
the thing with Napoli, it's like you said, they're, he's going to be overpaid, which is not the kind of deal that the Indians made to get him. They grabbed a guy who was really bad last season, hoping for a bounce back. So signing him back now is not the kind of deal I think they're going to do. I mentioned it in like a free agent target post. Is Matt Holiday is the one I think. I think he's basically this year's Napoli in the in the offseason, just because if he didn't have a great season last season, he's projected to bounce back really well, and he can actually probably play. Maybe we won't say play, but he can stand in the outfield once in a while if he's needed to, instead of just first base. So right. that's why I want to go more than Napoli, if anything. Yeah, I would rather if the money is the same, I would rather have Matt Holiday too. I feel like, and I think it'd be better. cheaper. Forget the same, yeah. I think it'd be cheaper. Yep, because all those dingers. I don't know. I'll take a few less and not striking out in third of his bats. I will make that sacrifice any day of the week. I think. And, and like, <laughs> I mean, Napoli through what mid August, late August. Uh, you know, it wasn't just home runs, but I mean, the bottom sort of fell out on him towards the end too. It's sort of the same way it did with Naquin, not quite as as extremely. Um, but some of Napoli's age, I mean, this was like a career high number of games played or played appearances. And you can convince yourself like, well, that's a really good thing. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I don't think it's I, I don't think you should fall into the trap of because he you know, had 580 played appearances or whatever this year that he's going to do it again next year. I think he's a, right. a prime candidate to sort of have the, his bottom fall out for more than just the last month of the season next year. For sure. And like you said. He's not the kind. He wouldn't be the kind of signing this offseason he was last offseason. The Indians don't need to sign Mike Napoli. They need to sign this offseason's Mike Napoli. Right. Exactly. It's you even just said he has. It's his, It's not a career year for it. It was pretty close to a career year with some of his numbers, but they just don't sign a guy like that when he's thirty six or whatever he is when he was coming off a good year like that. I don't think. So obviously we both want Matt Holiday, uh, but any other offseason predictions from you that you think either. Predictions or what you want or what you think the Indians will do, just that kind of thing. I don't think they'll do as much as some fans are going to want. Um, and I think that'll frustrate some. I think some fans will feel like they're obviously a contender. Like now is the time to go for it and get the move that puts them over the top. But I don't really think there's a realistic move that puts them over the top. I mean, you know, Cespedes would be a huge boost for the outfield, but that's not realistic. They didn't sell enough T-shirts in postseason tickets <laughs> to sign his contract. Um, so I, I think I'm prepared for a fairly low key off season, you know, acquiring Andrew Miller, if they had acquired him this off season, if they hadn't already had him, that would have been a significant addition, adding one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. And instead they did it at the trade deadline. Um, you know, in turn, they're already with arbitration raises going to be a little above what payroll was last year. Um, and I think they'll spend more than last year, but I don't, they're not going to spend like 40 million more. I think they're going to spend like 15 million more. And so I'm looking at, you know, maybe one more decent relief pitcher, uh, maybe someone like Matt Holiday, but no one bigger than that. I don't think we're going to see some big splashy thing. If they sign a big contract this off season, it's going to be an extension for Lindor. Do you think they might do that already? I, yeah, I think they'll, I, I mean, I, if he's up for it, I think they'll... <laughs> I don't know. I, if he, I wouldn't be up for it if I was him. Are you kidding? I wouldn't go uh, near that right now. Well, I mean, but most players do. I mean, you know, you got to find the right balance. They're not going to buy... You know, he's not going to give up like four years of free agency. But most players have shown a willingness to, you know, Corey Kluber, his contract, Kipnis's contract, Carlos Santana's contract. I mean, most players will take the financial security and give up a year or two of freedom just for the, 
you know, the money that comes with it. And the Indians have been more aggressive than most teams in trying to do that. So I don't know if he'll do it or not. I'd, I'd be stunned if the Indians weren't talking to his agent about it and trying to figure out what the numbers are. And I wouldn't be, (laughs) you know, beyond that, who knows, but, uh, I don't think it's a huge long shot for them to, you know, buy out his, the rest of his pre-arbitration, his arbitration years. And then, you know, one or two team options, or maybe you guarantee one of those or something like that. And yeah, I, I think if, if they're going to spend big, it's going to be on him this off season. If we're going to make a specific Lindor prediction, I think if I were him, because as much as I love Kipnis, Santana and Kluber, when he signed the contract they're I think they're like a couple levels below of what Lindor can end up being. So if I was him, I would wait until like 2018 to see the kind of money those players get. And by then he'd be a couple years older. And I guess at that point he doesn't sign it. Maybe he won't at all, but just to see how that huge free agent class does. And then I would decide if I'm going to sell out a couple years of free agency or not, or stick with the team I'm at. I don't know. I don't think I would this year if I was him. If I was the Indians, obviously I would be knocking on his door every day and throwing rocks through his window, trying to get his attention and (laughs) doing whatever I could to make him sign some kind of lifetime contract or not a lifetime contract, but a couple years of free agency contract. Yeah. I mean, the other, I think the other thing for him to consider is, and I get, you know, you could say Jason Hayward's contract is a good sign that he will be. Um, but I do think there's, to some extent, a legitimate question about whether he'll be paid someday as a free agent, uh, you know, based on his overall value, as one might assess it using something like war, or whether the market for him will be somewhat smaller than, you know, uh, a slugging hitter who has the same kind of war. Uh, you know, I don't know that defense traditionally doesn't get paid as well as offense. And maybe that's Even shortstop, though. Yeah, I think I mean, it's shortstop well, in a couple years it will. By the time he hits free agency, with how fast already like moving, said, people I can value see defense. the argument. That, you know, that he'll just want to wait, but he's still going to be making the league minimum for two more years. I don't know. I mean, I, financially, I'm a pretty conservative person in terms of like my own money. I'm a big saver. Yeah. Uh, I would certainly be willing to give up a year or two of free agency, knowing you could still hit free agency when you're like 29. Um, in exchange to get like $60 million guaranteed right now and, and, and eliminate any chance that you somehow never get $5 million even. Yeah. And I would love any contract like that for the Indians. <laughs> and again, <laughs> I mean, it's so easy to say that as a person who's not in the position to maybe someday yeah. get $200 million payroll. Like for me as a teacher on my salary, if you told me you can, you know, roll the dice for two hundred million, but you might get nothing, <laughs> or you can just take sixty million and you might still get another hundred fifty million later. Uh, I would be like, nope, sixty million. That's going to be me and my kids set for life. That works. <laughs> Jokes on you. I'll take like six million over a hundred years. <laughs> Is there anybody else? I was trying to think. There's really nobody else who they could do a contract like that for right now, unless no, Zim- no. until Zimmer there's comes no up. In that position. Yeah. Uh, most of the, most Jose Ramirez for a while. I mean, Carlos Santana is the only guy who's going to be a free agent next offseason. So, I mean, they've already done these deals with most of the guys, which is why you know, the majority of the core is still going to be on the team in three years. You know, that is such a great feeling, too, isn't it? Knowing yeah. it's not just like the Mets. Well, I guess the Mets don't need it, but just knowing that the team is going to be around for a couple more years. Yep. That's awesome. Okay. So, anything before we get to social media questions and it gets kind of weird? No, let's get weird. <laughs> It's not very weird, but uh, so first we'll start with Facebook. Mark, 
uh, Shefelton. There we go. On Facebook, he wants to know, other than reading Let's Go Tribe, listening to the podcast, and watching Facebook Live videos, what do you recommend for diehard Tribe fans to prepare for 2017? Any must-read books? Don't forget to buy t-shirts. You forgot to buy t-shirts. Uh, you forgot download podcasts. You forgot to create second account and download podcast again. No, uh, I did just review a book on the site, which is a really cool one. It was um, No Money, No Beer, No Penance. It was about the Indians in the Great Depression. If you like history stuff, that was really good. It was like reading a textbook, but if you like the Indians and history, that was a really good one to read. Um, what are the Indians books I've read recently? There was one about the 90s clubs, but I can't remember the name of it. I don't well, maybe we any. put specific recommendations in the comments for people. Yeah, there you go. Uh, more generally, and I know this is almost the exact opposite of what he's asking about, I would honestly say if you're a diehard Tribe fan and you're looking for stuff to do between now and spring training or opening day, I would say read a bunch of stuff that's not the Indians. Like even, I mean, keep reading baseball if you're into baseball. But like, I, to me, baseball is so much more enjoyable because I know more than just the Indians. Um, you know, I know the teams they're playing. I know teams they're not playing at all. I know guys, you know, I know stories from current stuff. I know stories from like... If your fandom at all extends beyond just, I like the Indians, um, I would pick some like non-Indians baseball topics that you're sort of curious about and, and try to find a couple books to read on those. And the one you reviewed, The Arm, I never quite finished it yet. I still have to, but that was a really good one from what I've read yeah. so far. Yeah. The, the Arm, Brian Kenny has a new book. Yep. Uh, um, and there's, just, there's so much good baseball stuff out there. If And there's good Indian stuff too, but... If you're willing to go beyond the Indians, there's so much stuff out there. And it doesn't even have to be specific to another team. The arm isn't Indian specific, but there is stuff on Trevor Bauer in there. And it's applicable for anyone who's had Tommy John surgery or any pitching prospect who might someday have it. So, like, it's not an Indian's book, but if you're into the Indians, there's no reason it couldn't be in you. And then, yeah, I just think there's so much cool baseball stuff out there that if you limit yourself to only your favorite team, you're automatically missing out on a huge amount of good stuff. Yep. Definitely. Uh, and I was going to read, <laughs> I had a plan to only read baseball books in the off season, whether it was Indians or not, but I already kind of broke that when I started. Um, do you ever hear the Expanse series? It's yeah. like Game of Thrones in space. All right. <laughs> sort of. It's a sci-fi series, which I don't even want to go near because I hate sci-fi series, but it's like a, a big five-part so far book series that I started. So maybe I'll get around to baseball books towards the end, but after the World Series especially, I needed a break from baseball stuff. As much as I yep. can, I'm still having to run a site and do right. all this stuff for it. So reading about shooting people in space was kind of a getaway for it. <laughs> and they're really good books, too, so that helps. Uh, next one, Matt McPhee on Facebook asks, what do you think of converting Jan Gomes to first base, all the Joe Maurer, Piazza, etc.? So I would say um, Joe Maurer and Piazza were really, really good hitters. <laughs> I don't know if Jan Gomes is a really, really good hitter anymore. What do you think? Yeah. That's exactly it. The question right now is, will Jan Gomes hit enough to be worthwhile as a catcher again? Um, his numbers, it's not just last year. His numbers the last two years put together, which in terms of like overall plate appearances don't add up to a whole lot more than just one full season. But the last two years combined, he's got a 205 batting average and a 240 on base percentage and a 365 slugging percentage, which is good for an OPS plus of 57. Uh, he's been re he's been a replacement level player over the last two years. So the idea that he might be hitting well enough to play the most offense heavy or offense important position in baseball, uh, no, he's converting him to first base does absolutely nothing for me. He either hits well enough that he's 
Yeah. Uh, his biggest asset right now is the defense behind the plate. I mean, until we can see that it can hit, there's no reason to move him anywhere at all. Because when you're doing that, you're just moving a player to get his bat into the lineup. Same reason they did it with Carlos Santana. Right. I mean, you went with Piazza and Maurer, but there's an example right on the Indians. <laughs> Carlos Santana couldn't really play for his base that well. But if you're only doing that if you want to move their bat, but you don't care about Jan Gomes' bat too bad anymore unless he really proves that he can come back in 2016 or 2017, which I don't know if he can. Well, and even that, I mean, like, even his, you know, 2014, his best full season, his bat played great for a catcher who was, you know, right, really that's the big thing. But for a first baseman, you know, short of being like a gold glove caliber first baseman, which is hard to do, you know, I mean, it's an easier position than first base, but gold glove anything is hard. Uh, even at his best, his offense was just enough to make him like a decent defense first first baseman. Uh, yeah, first base is not in his future. Yeah, and I think we mocked him all for it, but I mean, if the Indians got Lucroy, he's the one you put on first base first before anybody else. His bet, I think, is almost good enough to play at first base. And but you, although, Yankos. again, like, there's also the matter like, one, you want to get his bat there, but with Santana, there was also he's not a good defensive catcher. Uh, with Joe Maurer, there's a we're terrified he's going to have another concussion and his career is going to be over. With Lucroy, who's healthy and a good defensive catcher, you'd be giving up a huge amount of his value. His bat's good enough to play first base, but it still that wouldn't be a smart move because you'd be just eliminating by choice. And, I, you know, you'd still have Perez as catcher, but that would have never made sense for the Indians either. If they were going to do that, they should have traded him again, which I think is what they always sort of intended to do, and I think what he was pushing back against when he vetoed the trade. Yep. So, yeah, I don't think they will. I don't think they should. It's, it's rarely ever a good idea unless you have a really good hitter. Um, match Slichting. Of course, he's a writer on Let's Go Tribe. He does the Facebook Live videos and all that. He wants to know, can Vin Scully be the next Pope? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it works. So, yes, he will be the next Pope. I don't, I don't think we're going to be up Vince for Scully's a new retiring. Pope for a while. I don't know that Vin's <laughs> going to be around to see our next Pope. And, and frankly, I don't know what Vin's going to do next, but I'd like him to do something that leaves more time for baseball in some capacity than I imagine he would have as Pope. <laughs> That's true. I don't know how much time baseball time. There doesn't seem to be a lot of Pope involvement in Major League Baseball, <laughs> so I'd be worried we'd be losing all Vin Scully. We're going to lose most Vin Scully as it is, but I think if we can keep him out of the Vatican, we can at least get some Vin Scully in baseball next year. <laughs> that should be our new tagline for this site: keep Vin Scully out of the Vatican and into baseball. <laughs> so Allison Vermilia wants to know: Would you have pinch at Josh Tomlin for Michael Martinez? No. That is too soon. Yes. First of all, that wound is still fresh. Second of all, no. I wish there was anybody who could have pinched it for Michael Martinez, <laughs> but I still wouldn't have done Josh Tomlin. Can you, is that just the weirdest, most unfortunate thing ever? <laughs> that Michael Martinez, he's just the 25th guy, who cares, has the lattice at Bat of the World Series. Yeah, that was a bummer. That, uh, <laughs> that was not ideal. And he tried so hard to get out the field in time, but there's pictures of like the Cubs celebrating behind him. So he's always that guy now. That's going to be in like the Ken Burns with the slow pan of the Indians being sad. He's the first picture that's going to come up every time. But like, I mean, Sorry, frankly, like in that way, it's a blessing. I'd rather it be Michael Martinez, who's that <laughs> guy walking true. off the field, than like Jason Kipnis or Carlos Santana. Um, but yeah, man, having the whole season come down to the last at bat and Michael Martinez is the guy who's up. It does feel like something somehow went wrong there. I do but, feel uh, kind of bad for Martinez. If I'm honest with myself, when I think of like the top 10 things that were wrong about Game 7, Michael Martinez is 
pretty close to the bottom of that list. There, there are bigger fish to fry when I scream at the gods about Game 7. Yeah, if things went better, he would not be the last better of the game. That's all it's to it, really. And I, I feel kind of bad for him because he was great in the minors. I mean, as far as like helping players out and that's where he should be. But then Tito loves him apparently and he's just not good in the majors at all. Um, Pablo the Greek on Twitter wants to know what is Brandon Geyer's role next year? How far away is we'll, we'll, we'll go one at a time. So what is Brandon goals? Brandon Geyer's role next year? The same as this year, right? Yeah, I imagine Platoon. he yep. is a lefty masher. So he, he's been great. I love that trade. I mean, obviously Andrew Miller is my favorite trade at the post or the, the mid season, but Brandon Geyer for, I think they traded Nathan Lukes and some other low pitcher, but yeah, that was a great trade for them. I think. Yep. And he gets hit by a bunch of pitches, so he's always on base. <laughs> and how far away is Francisco Mejia? Two or three years? He's still really young. Yeah, I feel like 2019 is the season you're looking at him maybe like becoming the starter. Yeah, uh, it's, it's nice that he's getting all this recognition, but he's still far away. He's in like high A. Yep. It's going to be a while. Uh, what was the last one? Will Indians fans show up for the full season next year? Probably not. <laughs> at the beginning, I'm sure there might be a couple sold-out games. Maybe in the middle... When there's some promotions towards the end, if the games matter, maybe, but I don't think they're, we're not going to be back in like the 90s selling out a ton of games in a row. Yeah, but. I mean, I guess it depends on what we mean by show up. If we mean get back to sellouts every game, absolutely not. Uh, if we mean better attendance than, you know, any other season this decade, uh, yes, with a question mark at the end of it. Um, I, I definitely think so. And if not, then I don't think you can. Not that I'd be saying the Indians should move, but if coming off the team getting to the World Series, they can't draw 20,000 fans a game. At that point, people questioning whether Cleveland's really a viable market for a major league team, to me, would be a completely legitimate question. Um, you know, if you can't get excited about this, because it is going to be almost the exact same roster as last year. If you can't get yeah, excited with better players it, that came back from injury. <laughs> right. And, you know, again, I know that, you know, when you go fan by fan, family by family, everyone's situation is different. Not everyone has a lot of, you know, disposable income. Um, but if the Cleveland metro area can't provide 20,000 people a night for a team that just won the American League and even 20,000, that's such a low bar. Um the attendance, they've got to get a bump. I have to think they sold more season tickets in part because they sold them as a way to get like World Series tickets. Um, so whether those fans show up to the games or not, the tickets are sold and will be counted towards the attendance. So, I mean, attendance is definitely going to be up. I think it's going to be up noticeably. I don't think it's going to be up as much as we would say it should be. Yep, probably. I don't think we'll, <laughs> everybody's going to complain it's not high enough until the games are sold out, probably. At the very least, I would like the afternoon games in the summer to not be able to hear like the the pop machine in the background buzzing. That's yeah. all I want. Because <laughs> I, I can hear 20, that. And... 20,000 20, is basically what they were drawing this year. I mean, if they were drawing 25,000 this year, they still would have been in the bottom 10. Yeah. Uh, and man, if you just won the pennant, you should not be in the bottom 10. So, I mean, 20, 20 to 25 is a pretty big jump. And I guess I would maybe take the under, but I'll be pretty depressed if they're one of the if they're still in the bottom 10, you know, assuming they continue to play well, like if, if things go horribly next year and the team falls off, then the boost isn't going to be that big, but and I don't I can't talk more about the attendance right now. It, there's, it's too potentially depressing for me to consider right now. <laughs> so we'll go to the next one. It's going to be our last question. Uh, at Welchie 3319. He wants to know, do the Indians try and trade for Chris sale? Send him the package that was going to be for Luke Oy press Bauer. 
That's um, not enough. That's <laughs> I was going to say, if I don't, there's no way the, the White Sox even like pick up the phone. Yeah. I No. I, they, they have I no use for Bauer. I don't blame Welchie for asking. I think most baseball fans, it's just hard to grasp how much it takes to get someone like Chris Sale. And I mean, that's, I mean, LaCroix would have been a big acquisition. Um, I'm glad they didn't acquire him just because Perez worked out really well after the trade, even though he'd been a mess before the trade and he did well in the postseason. And I don't think they would have won the World Series if they had LaCroix, which is the only thing that would have made it worthwhile. Um, Chris Sale is much more valuable than him. Chris Sale's signed for three more years, way below market value. Um, the second and third years are team options, so if his arm does fly off, you're not on the hook for it. Um, he's super valuable, and the Indians would be giving up a lot more than just... Frankly, Trevor Bauer doesn't move the needle that much in a trade package. I mean, the White Sox are trying to rebuild. What Trevor Bauer might be in 2019 is almost valueless. So yeah. he doesn't make any sense for to be an important part of a team that's rebuilding. I think even the package the Indians sent for Andrew Miller, like <laughs> I'd say that was more than the Lucroy package. That yeah, still wouldn't be even still close to him. Combine the two packages, maybe. So yeah, Clint I mean, Frazier, Mejia, Sheffield, that's like, like, what it would take. Yeah. I mean, and again, being in Chicago, like I follow a lot of people on Twitter who are White Sox fans and White Sox writers, and I've seen them, and again, not that they're, you know, they're biased in favor of sale, but like, I've seen a lot of suggested trade offers sent at them that they've been like, no, that would be a disaster for the White Sox. I do think they'll be shopping Chris Sale. And if Chris Sale gets traded, there's going to be a much more significant talent involved than it makes sense for the Indians to be giving up right now. Yeah. I mean, just look a couple of years ago when the Mariners traded for Eric Bedard. I mean, that, that was a really, really lopsided trade even then, but it's going to be way more lopsided now with Chris Sale. <laughs> You're going to have to give up more than an Adam Jones and a Chris Tellman and some reliever they gave up that the Orioles used for a little bit. But, yeah, that deal wouldn't get it. The Indians have to send way too much. There's no way it's worth it to get Chris Sale. For the Indians. For somebody it will be. But not the yeah. Indians. So, oh, that's that's pretty much it. Um, see, throughout the summer, I mean, it's going to be like this. We had a lot of Indian stuff because it's been a month, obviously. But when we get to the slower days, especially after the winter meetings in July and – or not July, but January and February, I think it'll be just a lot of – I was talking about whatever we can kind of drift off and the baseball stuff will always come first, but other stuff to talk about like movies, whatever. Yeah. But for now, that's it for this show. Anything interesting for you happening? No, you got Thanksgiving plans. Yeah. Going to visit my parents. That's it. <laughs> that's, Classic yeah. Thanksgiving plans. I know. Isn't it? Same thing for you or all your family around Chicago. Yeah, same thing. My wife's mom on Thursday, my mom on Friday. So. Oh yeah. Family. Also you all live right around Chicago. Uh, my mother-in-law is here. My mother is up in Madison, Wisconsin, which is about two and a half hours from here. So not too bad. At least we'll get away from Cubs fans for a little bit. <laughs> well, I don't know. Cubs With, fans, they're, they're, they've already not. forgotten about it. They've moved on to the next <laughs> Now they're all Cowboys fans. <laughs> or whatever sport is going on now. Uh, yeah. So, um, I guess we can at least mention that we might start doing it. Um, I got a new computer I can record on, so we might be doing... It won't be edited, so it'll be a little choppier, but we might be doing like Facebook Live. You can listen to us record the podcast. We won't really be interacting very much because we won't be looking at the chat because we have our own set of things to talk about. But it'll be neat. You can kind of come and talk to the people listening and kind of see it before it all gets edited and everything. So that'll happen. If not, Matt the next snips, time you like want it. 200 times a show, he edits all of his sniffs out. You're going to hear all of Matt's sniffs. <laughs> you hear me throw a puppy in the background once in a while. It gets crazy. I just edit it all out and 
<laughs> yeah, his audio mixing skills are incredible. You don't know all that you're missing. Live, you're going to get it all. My voice is actually really high-pitched. I drop it a lot. I'm very insecure about it, so I'd rather you not tell anybody. So, <laughs> Okay, so that's all. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. We're going to start doing them every Tuesday, right? I'm pretty sure we can do that. Tuesday? It's Monday. Are we doing Tuesday? Well, it comes out Tuesday, Jason. We're in the future oh, right now. right. Well, but they're going to be live now, so now they're going to be going oh, on Monday. Is. Oh, man, it's going to be confusing. Two dates to keep track of? This is too much. Yeah. So on remember... The, the side, people are looking for something to do other than watch Monday Night Football, and this will give them something. That's perfect. That, that was my plan all along. Didn't you know that? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't just. That wasn't a coincidence because we record on Monday because neither of us care about Monday Night Football. It was because... It was for the people, Jason. Exactly. That's <laughs> what we're here for. The people. See you next week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.